Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Tuesday, February 23rd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Uh, tomorrow, Flyers back on the ice for a game against the New York Rangers, who will be without Artemi Panarin. What a crazy story that is, with Panarin taking a leave from the New York Rangers following a pretty salacious report uh, coming out of his homeland of Russia. But the Flyers will need to use that opportunity and come away with two points as this division is very tight. In the early part of the season, the Flyers were getting wins, piling up points, putting themselves in a good position. And now that they've been in COVID postponement mode with only two games since February 7th, a lot of teams have caught the Flyers and surpassed them despite the fact that the Flyers have played less games. The Flyers have only played 15 games with a record of 8-4-3, and three, 19 points, but now sitting in that fourth spot in the East Division, tied in points with the Penguins. Penguins uh, have a 9-6-1 and one record, have played one more game than the Flyers. Uh, the two teams ahead of the Flyers, the New York Islanders, who got a 3-2 win over the Buffalo Sabres last night, uh, moved ahead of the Flyers with 21 points through 18 games. So Flyers three games in hand and two points back of the third spot in the division in the Islanders. And the Washington Capitals also with 21 points, having played two more games than the Flyers, 9-5-3. and three. They've got 21 points and in the top spot, no surprise here, the 11-3-2 Boston Bruins, who the Flyers just played in Lake Tahoe through 16 games. So Flyers got to start piling up points, get back into the rhythm of the season. They'll be in action, like I said, tomorrow night against the Rangers, then two this weekend against Buffalo. And these are the teams below them in the standings that they need to take care of business against and start getting that process back in order. They had that beginning to happen, the final three games before the COVID postponements. You started to see elements of their game cleaning up and clicking and doing things in the offensive zone better, uh, getting in on the forecheck, getting pucks deep, exiting their zone better and better on neutral zone play as a byproduct of them spending more time in the offensive zone and getting those pucks deep and, and forcing turnovers on uh, the forecheck. So we'll see if they can do that. Uh, they'll get a practice time today, this afternoon. They unfortunately did not get one yesterday because the game in Tahoe was postponed until the evening. So they actually traveled back on Monday afternoon from Tahoe, and that robbed them of an extra practice day. But uh, it's time to get back into the rhythm of the season. Uh, hopefully, they'll get some more players back. Six players still remain on the COVID protocol list. Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Travis Konechny, Oscar Limblom, Scott Lawton, and Justin Braun. No new names added. That's good. But we'll see when these players become available. Uh, maybe staggered. You'll start to get some back at certain times. But hopefully, they'll get a couple back, and the support will arrive for the game coming up on Wednesday against the New York Rangers. But yesterday on our Flyers Weekly Show, I had a chance to catch up with a former Flyer and a veteran of over 1,200 NHL games. Now has made the jump to the media. Scott Hartnell, who is doing pregame and postgame coverage on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and he joins us now. Hartsy, how you doing? Good, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You've made it to the media side. Congratulations on joining the dark side. Yeah, I was just going to say, I call it the dark side as well. You know, you play for so long, and you know, you have you know obviously great articles written about you, some bad ones, and and, uh, you know, now that I've obviously just recently retired, uh, you know, still reach out to some friends that are in uh, all three teams that I've played for. And, and they're like, well, are you asking for yourself? Or are you asking for, uh, for media? And I, and obviously I've never crossed that line where I've taken something and, and, uh, use it or exploited it, but it's, uh, it's still funny that the guys that I know and love and trust and that are buddies, uh, still ask that. 
Some of the craziest things in, in my career doing what I do at intermissions and stuff for the Flyers, they like four of the top five involve you. They're all crazy. Uh, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, what did you think when Jake Voracek uh, said what he had to say uh, to Mike Sielski in that one post-game press conference? Were you doing the show that night? And I, I was, and, and it came across <laughs> like, live, and, and Karen had to come on after the uh, you know, the video and soundbite and apologize, obviously, but you know, Jake, uh, Jake gives it real. I, I'll give him that, you know, obviously he's, uh, you know, tempers flare sometimes, which, uh, you know, have done with all of us at, at one point or another. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was, it was obviously, uh, broadcasted and people loved it. Some people hated it, obviously, but you know, you, you definitely got to watch your, um, watch your P's and Q's when you're talking, but obviously there was some bad blood. I still don't know the full story of it, but, uh, some I'll, uh, probably get to the summer, uh, hanging out with jo- uh, Jakey. Well, the funny thing was Travis Konechny's face. He's just like, whoa, did <laughs> yeah. he just say that? <laughs> yeah, even with the mask on, you can be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. Um, I, I got to give you credit because you're one of the stand-up guys that I have, I've had the chance to cover. Um, you came in. I, I request a player very late in the period, and I tell Zach Hill, the PR guy, who I want to grab. Yeah. And I go, Zach, give me, give me Hartnell here. And then you took a bad penalty with about 30 seconds left. And you came into the room, and you two-by-fourd my broadcast table and a brand new can of Copenhagen and it exploded everywhere. I remember. <laughs> the, and then the next, next game I come in and you walk in and you give me three cans. You go, sorry, buddy. <laughs> I was like, that's a stand up move. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, sometimes emotions run high and, you know, I was, uh, uh, infamously known, I guess maybe for some, uh, bad penalties, but you know, I played hard. I played on that, uh, that line, I guess. And, you know, and, uh, when something wasn't going for the team or going for me personally, I needed to get involved in the game. And that was kind of maybe the trick for me to get, uh, to get going, but uh, you know, definitely some, some silly things that people don't usually hear about, but uh, thanks for bringing that one up. <laughs> well, I won't bring up some of the others. <laughs> um, wh- one of the things that, you know, you played so many years in the league and over 1200 games with three different organizations, like you mentioned, and you know, Travis Connecty was a healthy scratch just a, a few weeks ago before the COVID postponements. And Mike Rupp was on NHL Network Radio and told a story about you when you were in Columbus uh, in your first year there, and Torch Healthy scratched you, and then you came back the next game and you scored a hat trick. First of all, be careful if you do that, because now he's going to know how to get you motivated. Yeah. But um, in, in times that you were healthy scratched, either earlier in your career or late in your career, what's the difference between those two, and, and how did you kind of absorb that 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 when those things happen? Well, I think I was scratched one time with Barry Trotz in Nashville. It was uh, game 81. And I played all 80 games. And, and if you know or follow hockey, right, it's so hard to play all 82 games because we put our bodies on the line. You, you're nicked up. You're, you're this, you're that. And, and, you know, it was two games before playoffs. We're going into playoffs. And, you know, I was a big part of the team. I was first power play, this and that, you know. And he scratched me. And I was so upset. I was so mad. And, and talk about breaking the – a can of chew. I broke my helmet. I think I broke a few sticks <laughs> when I got in after morning skate. When he told me, and I, you know, obviously I was, I was fairly vocal with media at the time, and and you know, kind of looking back, you know, my play wasn't good, but he didn't come to me beforehand saying, you know, hey, I'm going to scratch you. You need to, you need to wake it up. We're going to the playoffs. We need you. Blah blah blah. It was just, I showed up one morning. It was probably my best morning skate I've ever had with the amount of goals, and I was flying. It felt good, and then after morning skate he told me and i was like really and i just like lost it but um tortorella same thing i think it was a bad penalty that uh with questionable penalty that i got called it was a 50 50 call and they called it and and they scored a goal we ended up losing by one goal and you know the next day i came in was crashed like you know 
the one game, he's like, don't worry, you're going to be back in. And, um, you know, I think I, yeah, I did get a hat trick. I scratched it again. And then I guess scored five uh, games in a row, you know, one goal oh, in the next five games. So, you know, Torrance and those guys are like, Oh, this worked, you know, like we'll, we'll do this again when someone needs a, a kick in the butt. But, you know, I think Travis knows uh, when his game is good and when his game isn't. And, uh, you know, I think it's been a, a little subpar for him, even by his standards. Right. And, you know, when he comes back from the COVID protocol, uh, you know, I expect him to, uh, you know, take onus on him and, and get himself going for the, for the team, for the city of Philadelphia. And, you know, for, for his career, you want to have a, a great career. You want to score as many goals as possible. So you got to be dialed in all the time. Yeah. And he was an all-star last year, led the team in scoring with 24 goals. Now, Scott, it's not just the player that gets scratched that the, has the, the effect on it has an effect on the entire team. Cause they go, Ooh, he was our leading scorer last year. He got scratched. It puts everybody on notice, doesn't it? Yeah. I, when I give credit to coaches that have enough, uh, you know, guts to scratch these guys, right. You know, you Travis connecting, he's making over six sheets for six years. He's here for a long time and you don't think that it can happen to you. And and when it does, it's a, it's, it's, it's a wake up call. I've been there. It's, it's embarrassing. It's, you know, you feel like, you know, you let down, you feel like everyone's picking, you know, maybe he's picking on you, but it, but like if you actually step outside the box and, and, you know, analyze your game and analyze what's going on with the team and, and yourself, you'll realize that, okay, I haven't been my best. This is, you know, a wake up call and, and, you know, whether he's picking on you or whatever, but, you know, AB has, has done a great job with that. Torts has been known to, uh, you know, obviously do that without, you know, sitting guy, he benched, uh, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois this year for for two and a half periods, and he gets traded the next day. And uh, you know, I'm not sure if that was a long thing coming or not as well. But well, that was a beer yeah. league shift that he he skated out there before <laughs> Torch sat him down. Exactly right. And, and Torch told him, I, I asked the Plato. He said, uh, he goes, if you don't work your tail off as hard as you do offensively as you do, uh, you know, back checking in the defensive zone, I'm going to pipe you. You know, that's what yeah. Torch calls it, piping you. And, and sure enough, he was lollygagging on that back check, and he said, hey have a seat tonight and you know torsen's kind of gave me some ultimatums during games as well when i haven't uh, had my legs be you know first few shifts he goes if i don't see you doing the right things here you're done for the night and you know go out there and have a nice assist in that next shift he goes i knew you had it and you can't and he'd be so fired up and ready to go so how often are guys out playing when you played under torts are they mf and him on the bench they go after him on the bench uh no not no no you don't want to do that he's he's uh i wouldn't say he's a dictator but you know he hears everything he knows the body language you know if guys are are you know sour out there or whatever and and he's all about the team he's all about winning you know and it doesn't matter if you're you know panarin and and you're not uh you know he did it with line the first uh yeah. first few games with line there he, he wasn't playing that great and towards kind of challenged him and he said uh he said something to the coach and next thing you know he's on the bench for uh, half the game so uh he's a man of his word he's very honest i'll give him that which i respect and you know it's it's better to have someone be honest to you i i believe than you know someone said you know telling you your face that hey no you know just pick it up you know and then behind your back he's you know telling you that you're the worst player out there right so towards yeah. is, is very you always uh, know where you stand yeah white and black exactly yeah and, and that's always a good thing uh we're with scott hartnell right now um on flyers weekly scott uh the game that took place uh in tahoe you played in outdoor games that looked like it was challenging with the shadows in the beginning of the game, the sun glare, not getting a chance to practice on that ice. Not to mention you're missing five of your forwards, important players, and one of your veteran defensemen. 
when you look at the the result of that game, do Flyer fans need to worry about that? I've been trying to calm the seas, if you will. Yeah, it's you know it's just one game in this span of fifty six games, right? So it's it's not a huge huge deal, and and you know for the majority of that game, forty minutes, they were pretty much right there, right? And and you know a bad penalty, and you know it's, you give uh, their top line, the perfection line credit, they were you know, unbelievable again against the Flyers and Carter Hart wasn't, uh, wasn't terrific uh, by any means. So, you know, you look at all uh, stats of, you know, Carter, I saw the thing that he's letting 20 goals in four games against these guys and, you know, 18 goals in, in, you know, whatever, nine games against other teams. Right. So it's, uh, it's really just a, a weird, weird team. And sometimes you feel like some teams have a goalie's number, a team's number. And right now Boston has the Flyers number for whatever reason, but, you know, I remember uh, in the Flyers in the when I first got here, 2007, 2008, 2009, we played the Islanders eight times. We killed them, I think, 24 times in a row, and it was point night every time that we'd go in there because you knew you were getting a hat trick or three points or whatever, right? And it's just maybe that's the feeling, the mojo that the Boston Bruins have. And you know this because, and they have a book on Carter at this point. He's been in the league long enough, and they seem to be targeting him high glove or, or glove side, short side. And until he compensates for it and closes that door, they're going to keep going there, aren't they? Yeah. It, and, you know, sometimes you have an off night and, you know, maybe blame it on the, this, you know, the background of the, that game or whatever, but you can, you can just blame it on an off night and, or blame it on the six guys missing on the lineup. You know, you can go on and on, but. I'm not too worried about Carter. He's uh, he's a great individual. He's he's so calm and cool and collected. He's got all the uh, attributes that you want in a in a number one goaltender. And and you know if people are panicking right now about it. I would just tell him to you know settle the settle settle down big time. Yeah, you're never as bad as you think you are, and you're never as good as you think you are. If you kind of stay in that kind of middle area you're, you're always in a safe place i think uh, let's talk about the team overall this season because you're, you're doing these games on nbc sports philly you're analyzing them the process has not looked great um they don't look like the team that you know they were before the pause last year they didn't look like that in the bubble either uh but they've been effective with everybody except for the bruins this season who they're oh three and two against uh but when you look at the the process what needs to be better is it the details uh, where do they need to be better to, to get their game back to a level where they're really humming? Well, I think, you know, it's in spurts with them. And I think consistency in 60 minutes, like I'm not sure if you look through all the games that they've played a 60 minute hockey game and, you know, you can play good for 15 minutes and you take those last five minutes off of the first period. And next thing you know, you're down two one instead and being up one, nothing going into that second period with great mojo, great feelings, whatever. So um, you know, whether it's details of, of back checking, reloading, getting in your positions defensively, you know, the, it seems a, a lot of times the forwards are spread out a lot from the defense when you're trying to make these long passes, you know, Proby's trying to make these, you know, 130 foot passes to, you know, Reamer or whoever it is, you know, all the way down to, to the far blue line. And, and, you know, sometimes it's successful and they look good, but most of the time they're turning over coming right down your throat when you have one or two guys caught on the backside and they're, trying to reload right so uh you know i just you know penalties are you know some bad penalties are, are coming up and i'm biting them in the ass so it's a, there's a few different things that are uh concerning for me but you know it's it's one thing they've, they've had this great record with not the best hockey play so if they can dial it in and, and i think if you ask everyone individually or whatever like 
they know they're not playing the best hockey. So I think if they can figure that out and figure out how to collectively play some good hard flyers hockey, speed, speed is the name of the game nowadays, uh, both offensively and reloading and defensively, they're, they're going to be just fine. Um, one, one of the things, they were without Sean Couturier a lot of this season. He's only played in four games so far. And, Scott, he's not a player that comes out of the lineup and you go, okay, next man up, you can check all these boxes, good luck, power play, point-per-game player, shuts down the team's opposition's top line, uh, plays on the PK, does everything, great face-off guy. He's a huge void when he's not in the lineup. Yeah, he's he, he can do it all. Like you said, he won the he won the Selkie last year for a reason. He can he can dangle. He can uh, make the plays offensively. I think his best attribute is his defensive play, his face offs, uh, his stick recognition. Uh, you know, taking away that uh, passing lane. Uh, he just he's plays against every top line, so he knows he, that he needs to be on every night. And he drags everyone into that fight. You know, and you know every time we played Pittsburgh, I've always said this that. He wanted to be out there against Malkin, you know, running him, getting him off his game. He wanted to, you know, defend those top guys on, on other teams as well. So he is uh, he is hard to replace. And and you could tell during those games they were a little lost up front. But, you know, when he's been back, obviously that first game was pretty cool. We got a couple of goals and assist and and he's playing Coots' hockey and, you know, probably at probably 75 percent, really. Yeah. And I talked to him the other day on, on Flyers Daily, and he mentioned that he just hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. You know, the second game of the season, he plays two shifts, and that's when he gets hurt. Then he comes back, and he plays one game. They go into COVID protocol and postponements, yeah. and they played two games in, like, almost three weeks at this point. Yeah. How much would this disjointed schedule affect you as a player? Well, the, the conditioning for, you know, and Coots isn't a, you know, a spring chicken anymore. He's in his late 20s. I think he is now, but um, – you know, you miss the timing, you know, the passes aren't, you know, always on the tape, you know, you're out there for 20, 30 seconds and you're starting to suck wind where you can usually play for 45, 50 before you kind of get your tired legs. So it definitely, it's definitely hurt them a little bit right now, but I think, you know, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger if you, if you want to have that model. So looking ahead, you know, a lot of the guys have gotten COVID that uh, they've kind of gone through it. So hopefully, you know, things are clean in that respect, but now they, they're playing every second day now, probably till till May, till playoffs start. So they need to, you know, dial this in. You know, if there's some practice days that they can, you know, kind of clean up some things. But, you know, when they play in these games, they have to play some, start playing some clean games. Well, one of the guys that you played with, and I'm trying to figure it out, I think he probably has the most assists to you scoring than any other player he's played with, and that's Claude Giroux. Uh, to me, he looks like he changed his skating stride a little bit this offseason. Looks more efficient. He looks like he has a little bit more burst. What are you seeing out of his game before he obviously got into COVID protocol? Well, he's been, he's been solid. You know, I think, you know, G faster, you know, maybe, uh, you know, lost a step. But he has the sparks to uh, to figure his way out around the rink. And, you know, on the power play, he's still uh, probably one of the top 10, 12 guys in the NHL uh, making those passes, making the right plays, entering the zone, things like that. And, uh, you know, I think him playing the wing has helped a lot for, you know, for the battling down lows and getting up the ice and, and that kind of stuff. So I think they've done a great job with Claude over the years to figure out what works for him. But he does look he does look sharp. He does look uh, fit out there. He's got, uh, you know, he's still you're not going to lose those hands, uh, you know, when you're in your early 30s. Right. Uh, uh, you know, probably Mario Lemieux could probably come back and, and still throw some mm -hmm. saucy pass back to her, you know, so yeah. it's uh, uh, people kind of worry about that. What's what's going to happen to him? I think it's just, uh, you know, some, giving some of these uh, media people something to talk about. 
Uh, one of the one of the narratives a lot of times centered around Claude Giroux is, is that he's the captain, and that always comes with the scrutiny. And the team hasn't had a lot of playoff success in his tenure. What was he like as a leader for you? You played you played alongside him for a long time. He's he's passionate. He he wants to win. He wants to win no matter what he does, whether it's you know kickball before the game, you know basketball. He loves to shoot hoops with Wayne mm-hmm. Simmons. Uh, you know uh, their last little pregame. Uh, ritual he's not much of a him. basketball player, by the way. I've well. Seen. <laughs> I think he's not bad. You know, Simmer can, Simmer can dunk. G couldn't dunk. But, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to see that, just that, that competitiveness, right? And, and when you see your leader every day in practice being the hardest working guy on the ice, it just that's, that just goes right through the whole team, right? And, and AV can see it. You know, I've seen clips of him or heard clips of him talk about Claude and how great of a leader he is. And, and it was the same thing when he was a young kid. He, he was always working. He was staying out there after practice to work on the draws and work on a shot and the tips and things like that. So uh, Claude still got it. He's got that competitiveness that he'll, I think he'll always have in his whole life. But you know, that, uh, that, that spirit, that uh, love for the hockey game that he has is, uh, is so infectious for everybody. And that's what makes him so good. How's parenthood for you? Awesome. They're, uh, I'm, I don't know if you can hear them, but they're playing oh, yeah. over here yeah. in the background. It's It's been amazing. I got two, almost three and uh, almost one-year-old. So it's been it's been a, a fun COVID year, just kind of being with these guys, not leaving the house too much. And, and uh, you know, uh, you hear the problems of schools and whatever and, you know, all this kind of stuff that's that's going throughout the world. We, uh, we've kind of hunkered in ourselves and kind of had our own little posse here. Well, what made you decide to make this home? Uh, my wife's from the from the area, uh, from Bucks County. So to, she has some family, and and we have some uh, nieces and and nephew that are uh, that are close in age. So it kind of just makes sense for us to come back. My family's all over Canada, West Coast, East Coast. So uh, to come here to Philadelphia, and it was my home. It was uh, you know I love playing here. So very familiar with the, the area, which is nice. And you know some friends that uh, that have obviously stayed here after hockey as well. Chemo teaming in and Nick Schultz. So. Uh, those guys are uh, real good buddies of mine as well. Now, will you be making the uh, circuit around uh, the youth hockey uh, uh, rinks at some point? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, we've uh, just last, well, three weeks ago, maybe last week, I took my son out to, on on the ice for the first time. So that was pretty neat. And, you know, seeing him out there and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, brings a tear to your eye, right? To see him do it. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you try and watch hockey with him and, you know, he's too busy playing with his trucks and, excavators yeah. and that kind of stuff he doesn't get it yet but i'm sure he will at one time that uh, uh but he does see me on tv and you know when i get dressed up in my suit and tie and go to work and you know dad that tv and i'm mm-hmm. like yeah make sure you watch you know so he's he's there watching and and having a good time with that so it's uh it just uh, brings a smile to your heart even though he didn't see me playing hockey he's he's seen um, me on the uh, on the tube while, while talking about it anyway well, at least you don't have to like go back to VHS tapes to show them when you played. You're, you're not that old, right? YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and did, did, were people yelling Hartnell down when he took a spill? Uh, yeah. Well, I did. I was going out there with him, so it was just him and I, and uh, it was pretty. It was pretty neat to to see all that, and uh, just brought a lot of good memories. Uh, you know, hard to remember when you were like when you're two or three, but I remember when I was you know five, six, the first time you're public skating with your brothers and stuff. It was, uh, uh, you know, just is. It just uh, just melts your heart uh, being a dad. Yeah, I'm going through with my son. He's in a, a second year bantam right now, and I'm going. How is he a second year bantam already? <laughs> yeah, every time flies, right? Yeah, it's like, oh my goodness, how did this happen so quickly? And then you know the other thing too, and you're at the rink all the time, and and, and you see how 
the game affects your life. Like that that's the thing. Like he my son's not gonna go on and play pro hockey, but it's the room, it's the it's the camaraderie with the boys, the whole thing, and, and he loves it. So I'm happy for him that he that he enjoys the game as, as much as, as I did as a kid and you did. Yeah. Everyone else. So what it's uh, all about, hey, right? Oh, it is. It really is. That's what I love about the game is, is what it, it, how it shapes you as a person more than anything else. Uh, Scott, you're doing great work on TV, man. I, I'm glad you made the transition, you know, transition to the dark side. Uh, you're doing well. You and Taryn doing a good job breaking down the games. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk soon. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jason. Take care, buddy. Yet another former Flyer player that has made Philadelphia his home post-playing career. Didn't finish his career here. Actually finished it where he started and where he was drafted sixth overall uh, by the Nashville Predators. Uh, but he also came to Philadelphia, played the most games of his career in Philadelphia. Also played some time in uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, as you heard, under John Tortorella. And wrapped it up as a Nashville Predator. Great career for Scott Hartnell. 1200, over 1,200 games played. Certainly, certainly nothing to shake a stick at. And always one of the great guys to talk to. So we appreciate him joining us as well. That's going to do it for this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll get you ready for Flyers Rangers in tomorrow's episode. And then we'll get you also ready for the weekend series. Marty Biron's going to join us to preview the Sabres weekend. Back-to-back games over the weekend against the Buffalo Sabres up in Buffalo. So we'll have Marty later this week as well. But in the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily.